We are so glad you are here today, and it's a privilege for me to announce to you uh, our guest speaker today, a great friend of mine, Pastor Charles Flowers, and uh, Pastor Charles is the lead pastor at at um, Outreach International Church, Faith Outreach International Church here in San Antonio. Amen. And uh, Pastor Charles and I go way back to youth pastor days to, um, in the 90s, and a couple of unique things about Pastor Charles. One, he's, a, he's an Air Force veteran, and two, and yes... <laughs> Yes, and thank you all of our military. And, and two, another one is in 1995, Pastor Charles started a 32-day boot camp uh, in the San Antonio area for students that were struggling with possibly addictions of any kind or also just needing to learn discipline in their life or, or having help with authority. And people came from all over to be a part of his 32-day boot camp, which he led for 13 years yes. here in San Antonio. Yes. And God did lots of great things in the lives of, of lots of folks. So let's give him a big cross point welcome today. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm on. Yes, I'm on. Better crowd than the than the earlier crowd. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> when I was here last time, I was telling you that you guys need to capitalize on your pastor's name, right? I, and I haven't seen any movement in that area, quite frankly. <laughs> How can you not, man? His name is Will Deal. I go to the church where our pastor is the... There you go. <laughs> so I'm glad, grateful to be back with you. Uh, and I want to talk to you really t this morning about a word that's in my heart concerning you. But before we do, I'd like to pray. So let's, let's turn our heart toward the Lord in prayer. First of all, <clears throat> Lord, there's no way, there's no way, no conceivable way that I could, based on my own limitations, know the needs of people who are seated in this audience or who will be looking at this broadcast by way of live stream, where they have come from, what they're struggling with, or where their victories have, have been experienced. But you do. You, you know our downsitting. You know our uprising. The Bible says in Isaiah 46, you know the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, you know things that have not yet come to pass. So we take rest in your sovereignty. We take rest in your omniscience, your ability to know everything about everything. And, and I praise you now and thank you that you will take this time that I have before your people and to use me according to your predetermined purposes that my mouth would be a doorway between heaven and earth, a portal, and from heaven would be released into the lives of the people who are here and those who will contact this by whatever means, a right word that is fitly spoken in their hearts. So I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit under which we take, uh, through which we take captive this atmosphere, this audience, bringing into captivity every soul to the swaying power of the Holy Spirit to speak truth and deliver truth. And we thank you for it. I realize I'll be held account eternally accountable uh, for what I'll be, say on this platform today. So I pray that you would make my heart one with your heart so that in that day I will have fulfilled the, the, the measure that you've given me for this time and place. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name and the people of God said amen. amen. 
there's a word, there's a word that's been staring in my heart for you, and uh, it's one word. <clears throat> it's the word deceivableness. It's the word deceivableness. There is so much going on in the world now. At your fingertips, streams of information can come from anywhere. Knowledge can come from anywhere. How do you know what's true? Because everyone in every one of those streams of information is telling you that what I tell you is the truth. And if you're not careful, you will allow something like deceivableness or deception to take place. I want to draw your attention to uh, our launching off text. Our launching off text is found in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 5 through 11. Would you read aloud with me as I read on 3? 1, 2, 3. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back. For he can be revealed only when his time comes. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord will slay him with the breath of his mouth. Now, I have a little difficulty there. Because that passage makes it sound like the Lord has bad breath. <laughs> I will, Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth. Consume him with the spirit of his mouth is what uh, the King James says. Slay him with the breath of his mouth. Continue to read. And destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. And he will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and to accept the truth that would save them. Now, this is a disturbing verse. It says, so God will cause them to be greatly deceived, and they will believe these lies. Deception. What is deception? Deception is defined or deceivableness is defined as the means to cause someone to believe something is what it is not. It is to put up false appearance and false statement to cause someone to believe in a certain direction. Uh, I do have some personal experience with the, with the power of deception. Uh, Corey mentioned earlier that, uh, that he and I were youth pastors in the city together and during those youth pastor years, I conducted Christian boot camp from 1995 to 2007. That ended because of a person, a woman, who was a parent of one of the young ladies that I serviced, uh, falsely accused me. And behind the false accusation, I was arrested. Uh, I was arrested here in the city of San Antonio and then shipped to Corpus Christi where the, the supposed allegation took place and they put me in jail in Corpus Christi for six days. Um, 
the Associated Press and the United Press International, AP and UPI, picked up this story, sent it all over the world. It made Good Morning America. That's not really the way you want to make Good Morning America. <laughs> it made Good Morning America and all other, and, on, and a bunch of news outlets. There was articles. Someone sent me an article written about this, this allegation, this lie, this deception in Hawaii. I've never been to Hawaii. But they knew who I was in Hawaii. Behind a lie. So if, if, if they didn't know me, if, the, if, if the, those involved in reading weren't familiar with me or my character, my history, they would believe what the article said. They would have believed it. But fortunately, we had operated here in the city of San Antonio for a number of years and had, with the police department and others, began to address needs that needed to be addressed. And uh, the law community came to our aid. Now, you will, you will understand how outstanding this is when you understand that six lawyers formed a team here in the city of San Antonio and another five lawyers in uh, Corpus Christi. And they said, we will defend your case pro bono. We'll defend your, defend your case for free. If you can generate some money, great, we'll take it. But if not, we're still going to defend your case because we've watched you. We know what, what your character has been like. And we know what you've done for this community of young people. So we're going to defend you for free. They did. It was successful. God redeemed it, that whole process. That's a story to tell. I'm actually writing a book on it called Rescuing a Generation. But I'm, uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is, is to say, if you didn't know, if you were not familiar, then you would think the things that you heard were the truth. You could be deceived. Now, I want to, I want to note something with you. That Jesus was with his disciples on Mount Olive. They were on the side of Mount Olive. You look from Mount Olive down over the Kidron Valley. Just to the right is the Garden of Gethsemane. But straight ahead on, on Zion, Mount Zion, is the Temple Mount. And the, Herod had built this complex, large comp Temple Mount complex. It was stunning, stunningly beautiful. And he had taken a great while to do so. And Jesus and his disciples are on the other side of Mount Olive. And his disciples say, say to him, Jesus, look at this temple complex. Isn't it beautiful? And Jesus made a statement to them that shocked them. He said, I tell you of a truth, not one stone of that will be left on another, speaking in reference to the temple. It shocked them. So they asked him, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? So they asked him a threefold question. When is that going to take place that you just said, that there's no stone be left on another? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Let's, let's look at it. Let's look at that passage. Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return 
and the end of the age. Now, in addressing their question, Jesus puts this out. Listen, listen. He puts this out as the first hallmark or the first distinctive feature that will describe this age. He says, here's what he says. Don't let anyone mislead you. Don't let anyone, would you say that after me? Don't let anyone. Now it's important that you in the days in which we now find ourselves, it's important that you adopt that truth. Don't let anyone mislead you because you can be misled. <sighs> what is that? What is, what is being deceived? Uh, just as Jesus warned us about not being misled, the Apostle Paul warned us in two cases. The first I want to look at you, or look with at you, uh, is Colossians chapter 2. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Has anybody heard in recent days high-sounding nonsense? That come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world. Human thinking and spiritual powers of this world. So then there are two sources from which deception can spring. Please hear what I'm saying to you. There are two sources from which deception can spring. It can spring from our own human thinking, or it can spring from spiritual dark powers. I wonder if in this room, some of us are not already dealing with deception. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in a minute uh, that tells us how to deal with this thing called, or how to avoid being deceived. One of the passages that we'll look at is in John 14. Let's just go ahead and, and go there. How, how we avoid deception is that we just love the truth. I'm going to I'm going to skip the Romans 16 passage for those who are doing the slides back there. And I'm going, going right to how to avoid being deceived. We avoid being deceived by loving the truth. We avoid being deceived by loving the truth. The truth is not a collection of facts. The truth is a person. Did you know that? The truth is a person. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus makes this statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then look what he has the audacity to say at the tail end of that verse. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, do you believe that? Do you really? Because there's some good people in the world. Good, 
kind-hearted, loving people who will give the shirt off their back, who may have even never heard of the name of Jesus. Will those people die outside of God? And will they suffer eternity because they never heard the name of Jesus? What did Jesus say? He said, I am the way. Is this what he said? I'm not making it up. <laughs> I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, no man. Is that what the passage says, no man? Well, is it? Did the passage say no man? No one. If it's no one, who does that leave out? Do you see how we deal with deception and we don't even know it? Because Oprah said, <laughs> good people have just a different path to get to God. They're good folks. And their path is not through Jesus, it's through a different way, but they're good people and God expects uh, uh, all those, he'll, he'll, he'll do something, he'll do something to save all those good people for sure. Yeah, I, I feel the uneasiness in the room because truth makes you uneasy. Either Jesus meant what he said or he didn't. Either what he said was truth or it's not the truth. And you and I are living in a day. You're going to walk out of these doors in a minute. And it's my heart's desire that when you do walk out of these doors, that you will walk out with something to help you be able to plant your feet solidly on the foundation of truth and not be moved. But you and I have to deal with that stuff. How do I keep from being deceived? I love the truth. The truth is a person. The other thing that I do to love the truth is I have to lay aside my preconceived biases. I have to lay them aside. There was a difficulty that John was having, uh, Nicodemus was having in, in, in uh, John's writing. St. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. Nicodemus, uh, Jesus replied to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, he said, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, there is something in existence that will last forever that you can't even perceive that's what Jesus said to him. Unless you are born again, something exists, has always existed and will always exist, but you can't even perceive it unless you are born again. And so Nicodemus 
did probably as most of us would have done. He says, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He heard truth, but he could not discern truth because of a preconceived bias. You and I, if we're going to avoid being deceived, have to lay aside our biases. Stop believing what someone else has said to you about someone. In my case, had they believed what Associated Press and United Press International had said, my wife and daughters, this is some years ago, 2007 now, almost 12 years ago, they were sitting in a restaurant and up on Good Morning America flashes this news story. She's sitting there looking, and this is what her, her husband's on the news. And they were saying all kinds of things. If she didn't know me more, she would have looked at that guy and said, man, he's a real monster. Deception. Here's my thought. And the thought I believe I'm to deliver to you today. Your mind is not a trash can. And everyone can come around and dump whatever they want into it and cause you to believe it. Your mind is not a trash can. You have the right and the responsibility to think. So he says, lay your preconceived biases aside, as he told Nicodemus. Don't, don't marvel, I say unto you, you must be born again. The other thing you must do with the truth is look for the truth. You'll find this in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. This is really about wisdom, the wisdom of God, but the wisdom of God is also the truth of God. And it says concerning truth, common sense and success belong to me. In other words, if I have truth, it will also give me common sense and success in the dealings of my life. Insight and strength are mine. Because of me, kings reign and rulers make just decrees. Rulers lead with my help and nobles make righteous judgments. I love all who love me. Here it is. And those who search will surely find me. What does this say? It says that truth doesn't fall in your lap. You have to search for it. Let me just say this to you also. Because a million people, it was Madonna said, uh, uh, the, 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 the entertainer Madonna, and if, you, if you tell a lie, it didn't start with her. She just made this statement famous. If, if you tell a lie long enough, it'll become the truth. You just only need to keep repeating the lie. And if you repeat the lie to people who will not search out for themselves, that lie will become the truth. To them. When a lie becomes a truth, you're walking in deception. And deception has the ability to rob you of the freedom that truth seeks to bring you. Deception has the ability to rob you of the, tr of the, of the, uh, 
the glory and the power that truth seeks to bring you. The freedom it seeks to bring you. So I must respond a certain way if I want to avoid deception. I must lay aside my biases. I must look for the truth. I must listen to the truth. John 18, verse 37, Jesus responded, You say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. You have to listen. You have to listen. You have to listen. Here's an anatomical lesson I hope you never forget. Uh, in our Christian boot camp, uh, this is one of the lessons we taught them. Because I'm, I'm convinced that something happens to the mind of a 12-year-old. The last year of their 12th year they go to bed, a normal person. <laughs> but when they wake up the morning of their 13th birthday, they're a genius. They're a ge they know everything about everything. So really Christian boot camp has, it was kind of birthed to help Answer a question that you may not know about yourself. But here's a question, here's a, here's a statement that you may not know about yourself, but everybody else knows about you. You may not know this about yourself, but everybody else knows this about you. You don't know everything. We can often think, The consummation of knowledge is right here in this noggin. It's not. So anatomically, we have a, a, a signals. We have two ears and we have one mouth. Here's the anatomic lesson. Listen twice as much as you talk. If you listen more, there's less confusion if you listen more, there's less misunderstanding. If you listen more, there is less deception. So, take a lesson from our own anatomy. I'll make the choice to listen as twice as much as I choose to speak. I must learn to listen to the truth. Because I'll tell you this. The truth is often very different than what we're normally used to embrace, embracing to hear. It's sometimes very different from that. But if we, if we, if we don't lay aside those preconceived biases, then we think that what we know is the only thing to be known. We have to listen to the truth. Next, we have to learn the truth. This, you find this in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me teach you. Let me teach you. Since we don't know everything, Jesus offers a grand invitation to you and me. Wow. He says, let me teach you. 
Would you say this after me? Jesus wants to teach me. Now lay your hand on your chest. Say it again. Say, Jesus wants to teach me. Now, if you will open up your, your, your life to that, he will begin to teach you. When you start to veer off in a way that he would not have you go, he'll bring you back. I was, I was driving. You know, the highway and traffic can, can often be a gauge to how spiritual you really are. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> so I was driving, about to pull out in the traffic, and uh, and I had I had the the right of way, and this person was supposed to stop and didn't stop, and so I said. Uh, you on pins and needles waiting to see what I said. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? Can you see? Can you see? And Jesus said, my spirit, he said, now is that the way I would think or talk about that person? I said, No. If you will allow him, he will bring you back to center even when you're... So I had to end up saying, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me for thinking that way about that person and using my mouth like that. I didn't cuss. My cuss was broken. It was broken a long time ago. But I I had to put a guard over my mouth. Jesus said, if you let him, he'll teach you. Take his yoke upon you because his his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And if you let Jesus teach you, he will walk you through deception. Because there's a lot of high-sounding nonsense that you're going to face when you go out of that door today. A couple more things about the truth and we'll we'll be done this morning. You must... Learn the truth, and then you must speak the truth. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, Paul is giving us some instructions about how to conduct this life as maturing believers. And he says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, speak the truth, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Speak the truth. I have to love it. I have to lay aside my biases. I have to look for it. I have to listen to the truth. I have to speak the truth. Now, there's a lot of voices in the world, folks. And those voices are spewing out a lot of stuff. Speak truth. And what you don't know, don't speak. Don't act like you know something when you don't. Take the time to search out the truth. Search for it. And then speak what you have searched out. Be teachable in the process. 
What are you trying to do? You're trying to avoid deception because deception is lurking in your and my day. Deception is lurking around like a monster on the horizon, seeking to gobble you up in its clutches and cause you to believe whatever is coming down the pike. But your mind is not a trash can. You can't believe everything you hear. Speak the truth in love. And the verse implies that speaking the truth causes me to grow up in every way. If the, the, the other end of that, the opposite end of that would be if I, if I speak lies, it causes me to be stunted in my growth. Lies stunt growth. Deception stunts growth. Truth causes me to grow. You're going to walk out of here today. And before you lay your head down on your pillow tonight, you're going to be faced with deception. Obey the truth. Last thing we're going to talk about today is in a passage in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus here has just finished his preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And... Uh, he makes this ending statement. My mind just went there. We've gone to Israel several times. And once you've gone, if you have not gone, I encourage you to go. But once you do and you read the New Testament and you see situations, they, they come up in your mind. The geography happens in your mind. So I see him on this hillside by the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, same body of water. And on the hillside, he's ministering, and he talks about many things there. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He talks about how we should behave. He delivers truth. And after he, he delivers truth on a number of subjects, in verse 24 of chapter 7, he says these words. Matthew chapter 24, verse 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that is, obeys them, is like a man who built his house on, on this rock. The rains came down, the storms rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these uh, words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Same thing happened. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, whether your house will stand or fall is totally dependent on whether or not it's founded on truth or deception. A house founded on deception is going to crumble. A house founded on truth will not. Would you stand with me for a moment? Precious Father, I thank you for this people. I pray that what I have delivered into their hands, into their hearts for thinking, for meditation, for consideration, would work its way down into their spirit to produce a course of action that frees them from the grips of deception. Jesus, you warned us in Matthew chapter 24 that a, 
an identifying mark, a major feature to these last days was to be let no man deceive you. Deception would be at an all-time high. I pray for these. I pray for them. That the Holy Spirit will begin to work through them in a way that brings clarity in the midst of the clamoring voices in the culture that the Holy Spirit will bring clarity. And we trust you. We thank you. We praise you for it all. In the mighty name of Jesus and the people of God said amen.